Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, and welcome once again to ESSR Central. I'm your main host. I'm the guy that's always here. I have nothing to do on Wednesday night, so it's quite sad. I'm Ross McLeod, and you might have seen on our Twitter feed, at Suplex Retweet the other day, Stephen Wilson put out a tweet uh, talking about how we're going to have semi-regular guests on the show with me. So we will be going forward. Some of some of our regulars will be on the show, but these guys will be a permanent fixture because rules help control the fun. And I think Stephen's really mastered his inner moniker there. We're going to have John Isherwood. I think you've heard him before on the show with his John Isherwood. Great guest, big sexy John Ish, as David Campbell calls him. David Hockney, the stats man, who you hear on Saturday Draft Live a lot. Chris Anthony Lopez, a new member of the channel. And... <laughs> well... My mum phoned Stephen and said I wasn't <laughs> letting my brother play. So joining us every fourth week. Not every week, thank God. Scott... Hey. <laughs> it's annoying, you're just so upbeat because you're just so smug. <laughs> oh, come on, you know I'm always here. I'll always be here. And you know the rules, Mum says we have to talk at least once a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get this month monthly chat out of the way then, shall we dive right into the big stories of the week? But before that, before that, I say dive right in and then go on a U-turn. At Suplex Retweet, I mentioned our Twitter feed. That's also on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community on Facebook. And Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify for all news, interviews, reviews and previews. It's harder every week to say that. You think it'd get easier? No. I think I'm just getting fatter so I can't breathe. <laughs> You'd say it before every show, like one of those acting exercises that it does do, you know, lips, teeth, tip of the tongue, easy for me to say, you know. Before Unique. Every <laughs> yeah. Unique New York. Unique New York. The, the, human torch. Shaped feet. <laughs> the human torch was denied by clone. <laughs> right, well, let's get right into it. What do you want to talk about first, Scott? You sent me a script because, well, I claim about how much work I do on this show, but really I do all in the daytime uh, before it. So, <laughs> what would you like to talk about first? Well, I had to make sure when I was sending these notes because, uh, we did that like weekend episode and then you did back to regular schedule the following week. So we had two centrals so close together. It was hard to think if uh, some of these stories had already been covered. But I think one that you know, came out was a day after the last central came out. So uh, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about with this. The latest round of WWE releases, I think. Yes, how so. kind of WWE to release so many big stars after the central where I had Nothing to talk about. Literally nothing. Poor David Hockney was trying to be upbeat about it. I'm like, David, I recorded one of these three days ago. I do not care anymore. <laughs> yes, uh, WWE's latest round of releases. Um, we'll get the full list shortly, Scott, but I don't think we can talk uh, too much about these latest round of re- releases without talking about Karrion Cross and Keith Lee. Um, Keith Lee... Bit of a slow start to his NXT career. Had the great matches with Dijakovic. Had the Survivor Series weekend, uh, you know, spectacle. He 
came up to the main uh, sorry he won the North American title won the NXT title came up to the main roster was involved immediately with WWE Championship feuds um, and now he's gone um, your thoughts on Keith Lee's release Keith Lee like every so often when these releases happen some people in, on Twitter post names of people who have been released but they sometimes prove not to be the case and I was hoping that when I seen Keith Lee's name battered around the group shit I was hoping that was the case but now when you go online and you you know, see people like Sean Rassap and Dave Meltzer all posting about it that yeah it was it was the harsh reality set and, uh, and it was a shame because it really felt like Keith was starting to get back on the, the right track with the whole Bearcat thing and you know, like being this like getting set for this monster you know push uh, but clearly as we've seen in the last few rounds of releases, when it comes to Nick Khan, he doesn't, he doesn't care what storyline you're involved in or what you're currently doing. If you know you're, you know, if we have to make those budget cuts, you're you're at the door. And yeah, it's sad, especially to think how, you know, 2019, 2020, like everybody's favourite, you know, the guy everyone was talking about was Keith Lee. You know, I'm pretty sure yeah, 18 months after holding up both Vexy's top men's singles titles, he's now out the door. Uh, it's just really sad to think about. I mean, I know he had to take time off during the year for like legit health reasons and everything, but yeah, you think they'd try and you know hit the ground running again once soon as he came back. So it's still baffling that he's gone. My issue with him on the main roster, I felt he was. Um, I this isn't a criticism of Keith. This is a criticism of the. We talk about. Um, AEW and sometimes their their decisions to end championship feuds early, especially in like John Moxley's reign, they were sort of one and done. They never had like two and three fights with people. But what that does, that means that the person that he lost to doesn't have two or three losses in championship matches on their record. Whereas Keith Lee, it was like, he'll beat Randy Orton, he'll beat Drew in an untitled match. He'll beat this guy, he'll beat that guy. WWE title match he'll lose. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point where he was built up every so often to lose. And yes, he did take time off. Yes, he, he was brought back with the Bearcat thing. But it's just, I think it's a crying shame he get released before ever getting to re- uh, wrestle at a WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think the plan was that he was before, because it was before the Royal Rumble that he first went away. And I believe like the story was at the time that the Matt Riddle run with the US title was scheduled for him. So yeah, he was probably fixing out the plans from WrestleMania. And I don't know why they couldn't have figured him into the US title plans when he came back. Because you know I like Damian Peace as much as the next guy, but you know he's not really lighting the world on fire right now. So I don't know why switching the belt from Priest to to Keith Lee would would be such a bad thing. No, it would not. Um... You talked about him lifting those two titles above his head. Um, the man who defeated him, defeated him, easy for me to say, for those titles, Carrying Cross, along with Scarlett Bordeaux, also released. Um, again, another one that's a bit frustrating given their run in NXT. Yeah, because like, the first few months of Carrying Cross's time in NXT, he really up to his time uh, like, taking the title off of Keith Lee. He felt like, you know, again, the new hot thing, like, kind of like what we're used to the last few years of, you know, the original version of NXT, hot guy comes in for the end, he goes on this hell of a run for a few months, you know, undefeated and everybody's talking about it, and then the next guy comes in. But it was weird because 
in the lead up to the in your house match, you had these guys like Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole, he's like indie, you know, darlings, basically calling me and saying, oh, you're crap, you. the only reason you're good is because they give you all these fancy effects and everything, you're crap, really. And then he goes into this five-way where the best parts of the match are the bits where he's taken out, and then they call him up to Raw as the NXT champion, like, you know, what was maybe their third brand, and then he loses to Jeff Hardy in two minutes. And then they keep trying new things on this weird devil's advocate seeming thing or looking like the long lost fourth member of Demolition. And Vince is just like, God damn it, why is it not getting over? Like, it's like that woman at that play that Chandler gets tricked into going to her friends. Why don't you like him? <laughs> I, yeah, and to to the point about the end of your house match where oh, well, you're rubbish and it's all special effects and you're all smoke and mirrors insert Cody Rhodes theme song here um, <laughs> it, it didn't help that when he went up without Scarlet and without the without the sort of the, the, the literal smoke show and the, the entrance and the effects that it was kind of just like oh right this is him then eh like, it was a very protected gimmick that was not protected whatsoever. I know, and it's it's odd because when he came in and when you see his style compared to some of the other guys in NXT, it's not the kind of style that people are used to from, like, main event NXT matches. And all people said, like, why did he even go to the to NXT? Why didn't he just go straight to the main roster? He's a big guy, and, you know, he can be as a monster, and Vince would probably love him. And yet... When he went to the main roster, he was arguably the worst period for him in WWE. So, you know, it's it's he it doesn't seem like tailor made for you know to be one of the guys that Vince would be like, ah, oh, god damn it, I gotta get this guy on the main roster. Such good shit. Um, some stories I should say just to to take both sides of it. Um, there was rumours that he was a COVID denier. Both him and Scarlett both refused to be uh, vaccinated. Um, apparently, Keith Lee, I, I don't know if his is medically related or if it's a case of um, it could just be internet crap and he could be fully vaccinated, but apparently he also refuses to get vaccinated. He's an anti-vaxxer. Um, rumours as well that Keith Lee was difficult to deal with that rumour came out about Bray Wyatt. I don't know if this is maybe just WWE putting stuff out there to maybe discredit people, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think, put it this way, um, Bray Wyatt and Karrion Cross and Keith Lee could have been the most difficult to deal with people in the world, but the fact that WWE has been so uncaring during this pandemic and so ruthless with who they released and showed a complete lack of regard for fans that all it takes for these guys to go, actually, no, I wasn't, and everyone will believe them. Because WWE have done nothing to show that they are a caring company and they are they are willing to, you know, work with people. It's just, oh, he had a bad attitude. Um, so... Just to jump in on that, uh, I don't know about the rumours or the validity of Keith Lee being an because he did have COVID at the start of the year. And then he and Mia Yim both had it. Uh, so I don't, and given his health, I doubt he'd be somebody to you know, deny, be a vax denier or anything like that. Well, I don't know him, so I can't tell for sure. But from what I've heard, a lot of the people who were fired for, you know, the anti-vax thing weren't even told that's why they were being fired. They were just told the same thing everybody else was. So 
it's going to be hard to tell who is who. I mean, I don't know about Gary and Gross. I know a lot of people will assume Nia Jax was one of them because she's made some anti-vax tweets in the past, but she's come in and said she was off TV because she had mental health problems, so we don't know what the, the story is there. But yeah, the Keith Lee being difficult to work with, I think that much like Bray Wyatt is just them trying to, you know, turn the change the narrative in their favour when they eventually tell their own version of the story. Because I think this is a case of, oh, we gave them something shit and they asked why they were doing it and they wouldn't just get along with it. So, you know, they're difficult because they asked questions because there have been a fair few people who left WWE said, oh, I asked to their liking and they branded me difficult. But I don't think it's a bad idea for like someone like a Karen Cross to say, why am I wearing this weird latex mask thing? Or for Keith Lee to say, why am I suddenly called Bearcat now? Shut up and deal with it, damn it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, just looking here, the full list of uh, the wa- the latest wave of WWE releases. Uh, Nia Jax, Eva Marie, <clears throat> Mia Yim, Harry Smith, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metalik, Jeet Roman, Karina Cortez, Trey Baxter, Zaida Rainier, uh, Jessica Mia, B-Fab, Oni Lorcan, Ember Moon, Frankie Monet and Scarlett Bordeaux. Um, Couple of reports talking about Frankie Monet not fitting the young under twenty five sort of um, mold that they want for NXT two point If that's the case, why not just move her to Raw SmackDown? Yeah, she's like probably thirty eight, and so they're trying to hire younger women. I think this kind of fits into what Mickey James has talked about a lot about you know the treatment of like older like female wrestlers like. And she had that storyline with Alexa Bliss in 2017. It was all about, Mickey, you're old now, when she's not really that old. Uh, so, yeah, that seems to be kind of the thing, whereas, you know, the female wrestlers, oh, she's 38, she doesn't fit in with this you know, young demographic we're going for. Oh, by the way, in Saudi Arabia, we've got uh, Goldberg, he's in his 50s. <laughs> no, it's never, it's never the old Goldberg, it's the legendary Goldberg. Um, <clears throat> a couple of other ones that stick out on that list. Uh, Eva Marie and Harry Smith. Eva Marie only brought back at the start of the year, part of the Dewdrop um, characters' uh, development. Never never really had a blow-off feud with Dewdrop. Uh, Harry Smith came back. He, he hasn't done anything on TV. Uh, and B-Fab, just on TV that week, yeah, uh, according to Brian Alvarez, uh, he tweeted out when when these releases were being announced that she'd literally signed a new deal like the week before. And so I think her and Oni Lorcan are the only two. Or t- I think actually she'll probably then have to do the 90 days now, given that she just got called up the main roster right before she got let go. And uh, so I, I wonder what's going to happen to the rest of Hit Row now that she's gone. Uh yeah, the Eve Marie thing, I still maintain the thing with her and could have been drawn out a bit more. You know, really the whole, she's then like some influencer that thinks she's doing good and getting somebody else to do all our work for her before that person inevitably, you know, sees see that they're being taken advantage of and turns on her. You know, I think that had a lot of legs in the whole you know, way that even the character that Eve Marie was portraying. It's the most up-to-date character WWE's done in a long time, considering Keith Lee's character was based on a wrestler that wrestled back in the 50s. Uh, and the Harry Smith thing, yeah, like you did one dark match the first SmackDown, they had fans back, and they, apparently the plan was they were going to move him to NXT UK. He was going to be one of the 
the top guys there, and they said, oh, about travel plans, you know, discovered that because he couldn't travel to the UK at that time, like, so do something else with him, like, because, oh, we can't do the thing we were going to do, so we're just going to not do anything. Then a few months later, like, what the fuck have we got this guy around doing nothing? Or should we do something? Nah, fire him. And that's the thing as well, look, why isn't this British Bulldog Junior in Britain? Because he's Canadian. <laughs> I know, have you heard him but, talk? No. Yeah, I was going to say, if you heard him talk, he's, he's not, like, he, well, somebody's wearing a Union Jack on his flag, he gets called Davy Boy Smith Junior, and yet, you hear him talk, he's the most Canadian sounding man you've ever heard, like, I'm going to go do a do for my father, eh? <laughs> it's like Roddy Piper, like, what part, of, <laughs> what part of Scotland are you fae? Canada. <laughs> I'm fae. Seamus, what part of Ireland are you fae? Springburn. Fae Glasgow by way of Toronto. Ah, exactly. <laughs> take the take the 88 through Springburn and Bishop Briggs, you'll get there in the time. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really disappointing waiver uh, releases, really disappointing group that had so much more to offer. Some of them might have been due to anti-vaxxer status, some of them might have been due to that, in which case, personally, personally feel that if you're not vaccinated, you're an arsehole. If you're not like you know there's people who can't get vaccinated because of health conditions and what have you and that's not who I'm talking about here there's people who willingly choose going my body my choice well not your body your choice when you get infected infect everyone else who has had the vaccination and yeah you know what it's a bit of an arse ache getting the bus to a vaccination centre and sitting in some leisure centre waiting to be called and getting something stabbed into your arm but you know I'd rather have a little prick in my arm than be a full-on prick and never get vaccinated. So, if any of them are for that, then I have no sympathy. But like I said, with the um, difficult to work with thing, WWE has done nothing to honour its talent or show any humility that we would believe that. That so yeah, all all these guys need to do is say. I'm not an anti-vaxxer and immediately like it's it's their word over WWE's because WWE has time and time again fucked over talent and showed contempt for its fans yeah and like it's hard to tell at the minute who for sure is the anti-vaxxer and if that is the reason that they were let go but if it does come out that some of these guys were anti-vaxxers then you're going to find it hard to get work in other forms of wrestling like other companies because I think other companies are also following these like strict guidelines like the thing with WWE's side was apparently if you're not vaccinated you can't travel like internationally like they've been doing the tours in the UK so also they wouldn't be able to come on the UK tours if they weren't vaccinated so like if they, one of these guys tries to go to AEW and it comes out that they're not vaccinated or they're anti-vaxxer then AEW probably won't want to do anything to do with them because they've been doing a lot more of like getting like even fans to prove like proof of vaccination before they can enter venues like you and me are going to Fear and Loathe next weekend and We've had to make sure I download that COVID password to prove that we were vaccinated so we can just get in the building. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of a lot of moving parts, a lot more, I think, to come out of this. But um, you, you mentioned AEW there, so we'll just go to the next big story, which does involve them, and it's full gear this weekend, um, Saturday the 13th of November. Uh, Adam, I was going to say Adam Cole. Adam Cole is in action. Uh, Adam Page versus Kenny Omega 
Uh, they wrestled last year in the number one contenders uh, tournament final. And now they're going up against each other for the world title. It's a, match, a rematch a year in the making. I'm really looking forward to this. But, Scott, the recent acquisition of Adam Cole, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, rumours are rife that, you know, that might be the next person that goes up against Kenny Omega. Do you think Do you think they're going to pull the trigger with Adam Page or do you think they're going to miss the boat? No, I think they, they have to, like, just do it because, like I said, it's been built up. Uh, AW like like to say that they listen to their fans and they have a, a track record in the last couple of years of doing things that the fans have said oh we want this thing to happen and then it happens and especially if they want to like encourage fans that are a bit you know you know fed up of like WWE and things like that then obviously proving that they can fulfill their promises that when WWE doesn't then they should obviously do something like this because it would be hard for them to take shots at WWE not delivering on something if they didn't deliver on this so I think even though they've got like 10 matches uh, confirmed for the final card, I don't know which ones are on the, the pre-show or not, but I think if the crowd are fully invested in it, then they'll you know, still be allowed for this. And I think, you know, you don't want to run the risk of going, you know, trying, oh, oh, let's maybe go a couple more, let's go to the next one, and then maybe diminishing the reaction. You want to get the biggest pop possible, so they need to pull the trigger now. Uh, something interesting about the poster for Full Gear and it's that Don Callis is no longer on it. Mm. Uh, Don Callis was on the poster uh, alongside Kenny Omega. Uh, news that their relationship with Impact has ended. Um, we're going to, going to talk a wee bit later on. Uh, Stephen was on the conference call, uh, the Full Gear conference call with Tony Khan earlier on. He had some comments about NWA. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, I can't not see Don Callis being in Kenny Omega's corner. So to take him off the poster, just because the TNA relationship's done, I think's a little bit petty. I figured they were maybe just phasing him out because uh, he's not really been a part of uh, Impact, like, but he's in his behind the scenes role in the last few months. Like the word is, like Scott Demore and like other people like Jimmy Jacobs and Tommy Dreamer before his uh, suspension were you know running the creative and everything backstage. So I figured he'd maybe transition to a role behind the scenes in AEW, but. Then he was on this week's AEW in the contract signing, so maybe this will be like how he's written off of like TV with Kenny when like, he, he tries to get involved and like the Dark Order come out and they take him out and you know like it, it gets rid of Don Callis, but maybe they just want the folks to be on Kenny and Hangman. Maybe it, it's entirely possible, and people are reading too much on it, and I, I've been sucked in like the big mark that I am. <laughs> But the full 10-match card for for full year, uh, obviously Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Championship will be main eventing on the pre-show. Uh, Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter versus Hikara Shida and Thunder Rosa in a tag team match. Uh, Britt Baker versus Tay Conte uh, for the AEW Women's Championship. Brian Danielson versus Miro, the AEW Championship Eliminator Tournament Final, winner receives a future AEW Championship match. Uh, the Inner Circle, oh, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana and Ortiz versus Men of the Year, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, along with America's top team, uh, Junior DeSantos, Andrea Arlovsky and Dan Lambert. And a Minneapolis street fight, uh, the Lucha Brothers, Penta El... 
Why am I reading their names? The Lucha Brothers, you know who they are. <laughs> Penta, that scary big kid. And Ray Phoenix uh, taking on FTR in a tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Uh, Darby Allen versus MGF. CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. Christian Cage and Jurassic Express against the Super Click, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. And Pac and Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black and Andrade in a random tag team. Cody must be on this show no matter what match. <laughs> yeah, because like, they just kept doing rematches of him and Malachi until he finally won. And then they just randomly bled the Andrade pack feed into this for really no reason. So, you know, you know, it's nice to see a team with you know the biggest bastard in wrestling and pack. <laughs> Um, looking at this card, the main event I think is a really anticipated one, possibly the most anticipated main event in in AEW history. Looking at the rest of the card, not a lot. There, Darby Allen, MGF, two of the the four pillars of you know AEW, and you know two of AEW's sort of homegrown talents, a going one on one. The rest, not a lot there that Pac and Cody versus Malachi and Andrade doesn't really interest me. Jurassic Express and Christian Cage versus Super Click. It's a false count anywhere match, so there will be some amazing spots and it will be a great match, but I just think they've done this match to death on Dark, Dynamite and Rampage, which is the problem when you now have more shows. Uh, Punk and Kingston, I'm sure that'll be a great match, but just Punk... I haven't really found him interesting since returning. And the inner circle, look, just see anything with Chris Jerry. Brian Anderson, Miro, and uh, Britt Baker versus Tay Conte, they'll both be great. But the inner circle, anything to do with Chris Jericho and his flabby, look how young I look, even though he looks like Iggy Pop, man tits, and his outfits that would look much better on a much younger and thinner man. I just don't care about anything Chris. Chris Jericho is starting to go into the Cody Rhodes category for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and and do, do you know the thing is, like we said, see when AEW started, please don't fill it with XWWE guys. Please don't fill it with XWWE guys. It's been Cody and Jericho, formerly of WWE, that have been the most insufferable people there. Everyone else in AEW, I've really taken to. I've really enjoyed them. It's just those two. Um... Of course, I look forward to being shown this in a week's time when I said, not a lot to incite you there, and then Inner Circle versus Men of the Year and America's Top Team becomes the match of the century. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one, but I like Ethan <laughs> Page and Scorpio Sky. But yeah, the Inner Circle are great, but it's the fact that, that also, whenever they're on screen as a unit, that means Jericho has to be there. It's just, I, I couldn't be asked with Jericho anymore. Uh, you know, him on Dynamite the other week when they were picking which members of American Top Team they wanted to fight, which meant they also picked Lambert, you know, the non-wrestler, so he's taking the pin. Uh, i basically spelled that out for you. And then making jokes when uh, Paige Van Sant of American Top Team said, was back in America's Top Team, she goes, I could take all five of you guys at once. And Jericho thinks he's back. Uh, you know, taking the piss, it's definitely a man again with the, he had to get in there with the jokes, but now he's a dad and he's, and he's, he's approaching, in, and now he's past 50. I was going to say, now he's f- past 50. He just sounds like a creepy old uncle at a party. 
<laughs> rather than rather than you know, funny like when he used to take the piss at uh, Stephen McMahon when he was much much younger. Uh, yeah, those. Jericho, uh, Jericho proved just how much of a dick he was this past week with the whole Callisto situation. Oh, what a knobhead! Yeah, um, but you couldn't DM him privately saying, "Hey, man, delete that," and then repost it, spell it correctly. No, you had to do it in public. Yeah, John Huber, the former Brody Lee who passed away, obviously a friend to everyone he trained with. Some Kalisto put up a nice thing saying, "Spoke to John before this in prayer." Blah blah blah. Very nice. And Chris Jericho went, uh, "His name's spelt G O N, not G O H N." Well. John has the uncommon spelling of the name. It's not Kalisto's fault. English isn't his first language either. You're a knob in every language. Say that again? Or it could have been autocorrect. Exactly, exactly. Fucking knob. Anyway, And people started started tagging Brody's widow and everything and getting her involved, but she's got enough to think about. Like, don't drag her into this. Yeah, I know. It's idiotic, it really is. And... Oh, backstage heat with um, backstage heat with Callisto over spelt name wrong, but Chris Jericho didn't have a problem with Tommy Dreamer saying, "Ah, oh, well, Ric Flair gets knob out. It doesn't matter." Eh? <laughs> oh, that Rick of mine. I did see a lot of people kind of taking the fist at uh, Jericho saying, "Like, God, imagine if Sinkar was the one that spelt it wrong. You wouldn't try it with him." With all the stories of uh, Sinkar towards the end, he's WM basically getting backstage fights and battering everybody. I seen one that said Chris Jericho didn't have a problem with Tommy Dreamer's apology tweet about Ric Flair's penis because he spelled every word correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Impeccable penmanship uh, does Tommy Dreamer have. <laughs> oh. A misspelled word to be had. Uh, yeah, so Inner Circle could not give a crap about that match. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Miro I think is a really interesting one. Miro versus Adam Page for Adam Page's first title defence. I think that could be a good one. Yeah, and like what I'm about to say is not because I've got Miro in my bloody draft team, so before anybody needs Lies. But like I had a strong suspicion, like I think given the leak from Tony Khan a few weeks ago, uh, before Moxley had to take time off of TV, that Moxley did stand a chance of beating Brian in the finals, because it would have been a good kind of symmetry with uh, Moxley retaining the title in last year's full gear. Then go on to face the winner of the Eliminator, which was Kenny Omega. But now Kenny losing to Hangman and then facing Moxley, the winner of the Eliminator. It would have been a good kind of turnaround a year later. Uh, and also, I think Hangman needs a few like strong uh, defences under his belt. He's told it to the very least double or nothing next year, when hopefully they're back in Vegas. And yeah, Miro is a, a first, you know, loss, like a first title defence. That would be so. That'd be really good because Brian, I don't think should, you know. But there's a reason he and Omega, even when the title wasn't on the line, went to a 30-minute draw. Because if you go with Brian versus Simon, you put yourself into a corner. Either you do another draw, or you piss off Brian fans, or you piss off Hangman fans by switching the bell or not putting it on Brian, having Brian lose too quickly. So, you know, I think Brian can have his AEW title shot, but save it for down the line. And especially if you do what I said a few weeks ago about having the Elite get involved, or have Miro cheat. Because uh, Miro, I think would be a solid uh, first challenger. You can even do it like, I think they're, they're saying they're going to do a big dailies place dynamite toward just before New Year's, the final show on TNT before TBS. Do it there as, you know, the big send-off for TNT. Uh, I think Brian maybe versus Kenny at Revolution, a rematch this time Brian beating him would be really cool. 
the, the Brian Muro match is one of the matches I'm looking forward to that and even though it's just been thrown on here, the Eddie Kingston Punk match because there have been a lot of people speculating that this might be Punk's first loss. Would be interesting to see Punk lose and then hopefully something natural happens. Like, so, so natural. Hopefully a natural heel turn happens or something interesting happens. Um, but because yeah, like, Punk coming back. Punk is. It's ironic that Punk was upset at the Rock coming back because Punk is having his Rock 2011 run of the. Well, what's your gimmick? I'm seeing Punk and I'm back. That's my gimmick. Hey, remember I used to say it's clobbering time? Yeah, it's clobbering time again. Look, <laughs> okay. Uh, I kind of just get used to life without you, mate. Can you do something new? Because like he's done like these matches on across Rampage and, and Dynamite. With uh, you know, like Powerhouse Odds, uh, Bobby Fish, Matt Seidel, and it feels like he's been used a lot on Rampage. I think he's mainly been used to help get eyes on you know, the new show that they've got. Help. He's Bret Hart on Thunder. I was gonna say he was like when Bret Hart was brought in for Thunder. Uh, can't wait to see CM Punk versus El Dandy next week. Uh, there's gonna be like <laughs> three people who get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> but like I think he's had enough wins under his belt regularly to you know, merit or maybe taking a loss because Kingston has challenged for all three major titles in the last year and he's lost every one so for nothing else other than to see him get a big win I'd be happy with that Yeah I think sooner or later you need to have him win a match before it turns into the sort of Jericho and WWE or Dolph Ziggler or Sami Zayn to an extent where it's like they're, they're not winning here why am I getting invested you like the wrestler but you can't get invested in the story yeah well from an AEW pay-per-view that's this week to a WWE pay-per-view that's next week Survivor Series uh, is it this week or in two weeks no uh, AEW is this weekend and yeah the following weekend's Survivor Series the 20th no the 21st, I think it's on this. Oh, is it on Sunday, right? Okay. Yeah, it's next year they start doing a bunch of Saturday pay per views, which I'm looking forward to. All right. To. I'm all the place here. Anyway, <laughs> well, WWE decided to release a bunch of people and then do the sh- one show a year where they need at least like 30 guys and 30 girls. <laughs> uh, sometime, and it really is. Say what you will about. Uh, <laughs> Say what you will about WWE, but they have a sense of humour. For one, by the way, WWE pay-per-view posters have been quite crap over the past few years. However, I really like the... It doesn't make sense so much. I'm just looking at it now. I'm just realising. So the, the poster is Big E wearing blue, while red seems to be on his arms as if a sort of Venom symbiote taking him over. <laughs> like but he's on rock should not be the blue trying to take him over anyway oh God knows. probably made a couple of months ago who cares anyway WWE made the teams is that not the news we were going to talk about <laughs> alright I mean so, in the best way possible through Twitter not through qualified yes. matches yes people were saying oh well there's already two weeks to go yes we'll fill those two weeks with qualifying matches Um. so we have the usual champion v champions match: uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair going one on one. Big E versus Roman Reigns, which I think is going to be an absolute cracker. Um, t- 
two big meaty men slapping meat. Um, Scott, there's a segment on uh, Jimmy Fallon called You Have to Stop. And it's um, Jimmy Fallon and his guests talking about things they wish would stop happening, right? So I'm going to read the teams and then I'm going to do a You Have to Stop. And it's directed at WWE, okay? Go ahead. So Team Raw is uh, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, one half of the tag team champions, no sign of Nikki Ash, uh, Liv Morgan, Carmella and Queen Zelina Vega versus Team Smackdown, uh, Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, no longer Blackheart, Aaliyah and Natalia. WWE, you have to stop putting Natalia in these matches. <laughs> we don't care anymore. You can put her in a rumble. You can put her in a crumble. Sorry, that's my doctor's this rhyme. You can put her in a rumble, a chamber, a money in the bank or a Survivor Series match. And we are never, ever, ever going to believe she's going to win. And then even when she does win, which like when she won the tag team titles, we're really not going to care. It's been over 10 years. She hasn't been interesting in nearly 20. <laughs> Let it go, WWE. Let it go. <laughs> Scott, do you have any you have to stop say you'd like to say to the <laughs> say to WWE <laughs> over their selection of the women's team here? Uh, yeah, not really. Well, sorry, I'm just looking up the diversity's post. I hadn't seen it before. Yeah, now that I mentioned it, it looks like Biggie's about to become carnage. Uh, <laughs> So I love to. I wonder what you were going to say like you need to stop, you know, announcing them on Twitter or stop the whole brand v brand thing, like was argued on the uh, debating chamber this past week. No, no, it's just all about Natalia. I mean, not that I'm arguing, you know, against that, but yeah, it's weird that they chose Aaliyah, who just got, you know, called up from NXT. They didn't put Shotzi. Oh yeah, I put Shotzi in there. Like I said, yeah, Nikki Ash, even though she drafted a Raw, but like, oh, but the, the tag champs can go between brands. What's the point in drafting either of them to either brand? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd argue about why the hell is Aaliyah on there, but then again, I don't know who else is on SmackDown, especially after these latest rounds of releases. Tony Storm, is she not, is she not on SmackDown? Oh, yeah, she is, I think. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, so much I remember her. I'm just I'm just happy that Liv Morgan's on uh, on Team Raw. Uh, again, that, but that is for draft reasons, but I'm more interested on their men's team where they chose to announce Ray and Dominic separately. Dominic is the last guy to get announced, like which is not doesn't exactly scream saving best to last. And then uh, <laughs> this past week's Raw, Adam Pearce just went, oh, I made a mistake. Uh, I want all former world champions on the show. So, Dominic, you can stay on the team if you can beat Bobby Lashley. And then Bobby <laughs> Lashley just kills Dominic in front of his father. Well, let, let's talk uh, Team Raw. Uh, Seth Rollins, last year on Team SmackDown. Finn Balor, last year of SmackDown. Kevin Owens, last year on Team SmackDown. Rey Mysterio, last year, was on the SmackDown brand. And Dominic Mysterio, originally announced, was on Team SmackDown the year before. They took three of the five men that were on Team SmackDown last year and put them in a, put them on Team Raw. This is... I don't like the superstar shake-up and brand loyalty and all that crap when it happens right before. So I think it should happen after... See that boring period over Christmas? Yeah, make it then. Mm-hmm. Stretch it out over a couple of shows then. Make it that the winner of Survivor Series gets one one pick before anyone else and, you know, someone on their brand, they get to, like, 
keep, you know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. say, it's just looking at Team Raw and Team SmackDown here, Team SmackDown, Drew McIntyre, Jeff Hardy, Xavier Woods, Sami Zayn, and Happy Corbin with Madcap Moss. Um, say SmackDown wins, they could say, right, hands off Drew, and we want Seth Rollins. You know what I mean? Like, they're essentially getting two picks, and they're stopping one of their best guys being taken. Um, Drew McIntyre, last year of Raw. Jeff Hardy, last year of Raw. Xavier Woods, last year of Raw. Sami Zayn, last year of SmackDown, still there. And Happy Corbin, last year on SmackDown. Um, Happy Corbin's the only man in this match two years in a row and on the same team. Yeah, so... Yeah. On the women's team, Natalia and Sasha, the only ones that were already on that brand. On Raw, I'm pretty sure Rhea was already drafted to Raw, so she's the only one staying. And then you got, like you said, Corbin and Sammy on Team Smackdown. They were still there, and then they got in largely because really what Adam Pearce said is not that he wants a team full of world champions, but we need at least one actual Raw guy that was here before the draft on this team. <laughs> Which And also, Happy Corbin. Like, I don't know why he's the last member of this team. Like, where's Kofi? Like, you felt the need to have both Mysterios at one point on the team. So, like, why... And then you took one off, and then you've only got one half of the women's tag chance on the other team, and then you got Woods here without Kofi. Why do you hate having both members of a tag team in these 5 on 5 matches? I just don't get it. And they've also they failed, think... to, they, they failed to announce two matches, which actually may, I think, maybe two of the two contenders for matches of the night. Uh, they failed to announce the other potential champ v champ matches, which would be Nakamura versus Priest and RK Bro versus the Usos. Like, why, why are you holding off on these, like, we know they're going to happen. I know. It's, it's a bit annoying. Um, I think it needs spiced up a bit. I like Robbie Smackdown. I just think it needs spiced up. I think stakes need to be had. I think, you know, it, it, it's, an, it's a time for dream matches. Why not instead of WWE versus Universal Champion? What about if Roman Reigns defends his title against Raw's top contender? And Big E defends his WWE title against SmackDown's top contender. And then, you know, have have the women's tag champs not represent anyone, but defending their title against a team from Raw and a team from SmackDown. You know, just little tweaks, the things like the 24-7 title, have that and like a sort of pre-show scramble match, three guys from Raw, three guys from SmackDown. Have a bit of fun, you know what I mean? Like, there has to be different things. It can't just be the same format every year because I like the five-on-five five stuff. The five-on-five five stuff's good. But you can't just go, yeah, five-on-five, champion champ. That's it. Because it, it, it gives the gives creative a chance to be lazy. And I'm not happy with that. Um, we talked about oh. Team Raw, Dominic... Mis- Sorry, hold on a sec. On you go. Uh, well, before I go back to Team Raw... They finally did the 24-7 title as they were supposed to do when they had a shitload of title changes and then like five minutes on Raw this past week. We had Corey Graves win the title and then get pinned by Byron Saxon, which I'm sure is Corey's worst nightmare. Uh, And I've been reading online about the the teams. Oh, we didn't. We waited ages to announce these teams because we wanted to form new stories a bit after the draft. Yeah, but then right after you did the draft, you you had uh, a Saudi show right in the middle, which you were obligated to do something big for. So you filled up the two weeks before that with qualifying matches uh, or tournament matches for the King of the Ring. 
and Queen of the Ring. And uh, basically, not just the Super Series, but basically the Saudi show this year basically fucked the Survivor Series build because they were trying to re-establish you know, these stories with new people and new brands because they took a fight right after Crown Jewel at the expense of at the expense of Survivor Series, which again gives further means to why the fuck are you having the Superstar Series get so close to Survivor Series? Yeah, it's um, WWE have done this before. They sacrificed Hell in a Cell one year uh, for the SmackDown moving to Fox, um, and it was just it, it, like it was three matches announced, and then it was a seven match card in the end, and four of the matches were announced at like 10 p.m. UK time when it started at 1 a.m. UK time. WWE does have when you're getting as much money as they are from TV deals, I can understand at times, and the Saudi deal, again, millions and millions of pounds for that, so I can understand, but just don't let it get away your pay-per-view, or don't get annoyed when people don't care about the pay-per-view. Um, just a couple of wee things, you talked about Woods, but no Kofi, I think Kofi will replace Woods, Woods faces Roman Reigns this week, I think Roman Reigns is going to take out Woods as a message to Big E, uh, and Bobby Lashley taking out Dominic Mysterio. Uh, Adam Pearce came off as a bit of a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, like he could have went, listen, I'm having second thoughts, or have Bobby Lashley furious that he wasn't in there, and say, have Dominic be a bit too, like, you know, bit too cocksure, like, yeah, I'll fight you, I'll fight you, and then get just leathered. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't see the point in having Adam Pearce, who is not a heel, and is not going to do anything as a heel, all of a sudden turn around and go, why did I pick you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anything, that's a Sonya move, because she seems to be of the two, she's like, the, she's the very strict parent, Adam Pierce is maybe the fun-loving parent of the two weird <laughs> authority figures on, on Smudged, so having her do that would make more sense. And I wonder if they are going to have people fighting for their place, because you had, like, a Dewdrop complaining why a man uh, amongst the five uh, selected for Team Brawl, and then they had the five women for the World Women's Team fighting for a future shot at Becky Lynch. And Bianca got cost the match because of Dujok, because Dujok said, oh, she's getting all these opportunities. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, right before Survivor they had uh, Dujok basically challenge Bianca for her, for her place on the team. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, Rain Dominic rumours uh, going around a split. Apparently, Rain's going to turn, sorry, Dominic's going to turn on Ray at Survivor Series. Maybe complain that Ray didn't uh, stand up for him. So it kind of sounds like, um, do you remember when Jason Jordan got taken off the Raw team, and he was like, it was the rumor was going to be that he was still annoyed at Triple H for not standing up for him. Uh, sorry, Kurt Angle for not standing up for him. So he was going to cost the team, and it ended up not being that. Um, it just seems like that's what they're going to do here. Um, WWE also considering. 60-day trial contracts for new superstars. Um, apparently, the 60-day trial contracts to stop... I don't know what it's just... I don't see what the point is here, Scott. Um, because what if WWE want to have a slow build for someone and the talent doesn't like where it's going and wants to jump ship after 60 days? WWE might end up just shooting themselves in the foot with these contracts. Yeah, and also it doesn't really specify if that means like 60 days from when they debut on TV or from when they actually sign their, their deal, because also you need to sign your contract before you start training at the PC. And so is it a case of them basically trying to curve themselves from uh, signing people who 
aren't maybe ready or like maybe they've given 60 days training the PC and they still don't look you know like they're picking up or if they come from a different background they're not picking up the you know they're not taken to like pro wrestling and they can cut them loose but uh, I think maybe if they try to implement this maybe it would save you know people like we see in NXT quite a few people who haven't been on TV that long getting cut out of nowhere because like we talk about Frankie Bonet she had six TV matches and since like April when I think she made her debut it just it's a weird one it's, it's a lot of weird things happening in WWE a lot of things I don't like happening in WWE just now apparently it is just to it's, it's to show if they can make improvement or if they've got the chops for it uh, but yeah just another weird move and another complete disconnect I think for WWE ECW legend Sabu has recently announced his retirement he's um well, not officially saying, you know, that's me done, guys, see you later. He has basically said that he's not fit enough to wrestle again. I'll just get the full statement up here. Yeah. Apparently confirmed his retirement for health reasons following a back injury. Speaking to wrestling shoot interview sorry the wrestling shoot interviews channel on YouTube he said I'm not doing real good I hurt my back about a year ago and it's still been hurting I wrestled a couple of weeks ago but I really shouldn't have I've only wrestled like uh, twice in the last year I only went to the gym a couple of times in the last year because my back hurt Uh, I'm probably not going to wrestle no more I'm probably just going to do autograph trainings and personal appearance stuff I I mean how old is Sabu 105. Next month he apparently turns 57. 57? Like, Mm -hmm. 57 year old and doing that sort of style. Yeah, he's 57 in December. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know what what anyone's thinking uh, that he can still go. He's done. He's he's done. He, He... he is a, a hardcore legend. He is an ECW legend. He is someone who I'd like to have seen WWE do more with. But I don't think he worked well in that corporate environment, obviously. Uh, fun to see him pop up in TNA a couple of times. But yeah, if you're doing that sort of uh, stuff, if you can't get to the gym, let alone wrestle, because your back's hurting that much, then for the health and safety of yourself, I think you need to give it up. Yeah, I think it's finally all, all these years of like the tale he was wrestling, I finally caught him because you know there's all these stories of him getting cuts and like getting cut by barbed wire and he's trying to just getting tape and wrapping it up or even one there are times where he's super glued like wounds back shut. Yeah. But could keep wrestling. Uh but the biggest surprise for me was that he was only in his late fifties. I thought he was older. But I think, you know, all the scars and you know the tale he wrestles will do that to you, but I think it's good that he's finally you know, blistered into his body and like gone at a day because there are things for there are there's a point for a lot of wrestlers where you need to kind of think about the long term risks. And I think you know he's he's established his legacy enough and he says he's still gonna do like conventions and I think he's enough of a name that if he just did conventions for the, and signs for the rest of his career, people would still pay good money to meet him. Yeah, he's still a he's still a draw as a, a name. He's just, um, I think it's just, yeah, it's 
if he's saying it's time, then yeah, it really should be time because I think the last person to admit it is the person who's actually wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, NXT, speaking of hardcore matches and matches that Sabu would have loved, uh, NXT War Games apparently planned for December 5th. Uh, the odd thing about this is there's no sign of the takeover uh, marketing or branding. Uh, yet another different direction that NXT 2.0 seems to be going in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's basically it's what that is. Takeover was their version of a pay it's, it's basically the same thing, they're just not calling it that. It's like when in the late 90s when they finally dropped the In Your House from their BP reviews back in the day. So I don't see that as a big issue as some other people do. It's a basically form fill the same function, but you know, it does. The other question of it is, you know, who are they actually going to get to be in their war games? Because like, I think w- with the state of like the current roster, like not having an undisputed air or something like that, it is going to start becoming more like the WWE main roster getting pay views in that they put a team together or they, you know, they start setting the seeds for it because it's that time of year again. Like, and I'm assuming they'll want to do a men's and a women's again. So. Look, weirdly, the women's one has more reason for happening because you got toxic attraction with all the belts on the women's side, so you can get those three plus maybe Dakota Kai against a group of, of faces like Raquel, EO, and Indy, and her tag partner whose name I can never remember. And I don't know what you do. The I've seen like Carmelo Hayes and Trip Williams feuding uh, with Gargano and Loomis, but they've also had a sign with Champa, so you get Gargano and Champa back together with uh, Loomis and maybe Braun Breaker against those two and, I don't know, throw two other heels in, throw in Grizzled Young Vets because they'll, they'll just be a team for the sake of it, given it's War Games time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm hoping it doesn't become that. It, it sort of was the Undisputed Era show for the past couple of years. It'll be, as you said, interesting to see what happens now. Two, two of the four aren't there anymore and the other two are doing very different. What about Diamond Mind versus... Um, Team Kyle O'Reilly. Oh no! Well, I like Kyle O'Reilly. Like to be in the event, but that would mean he has to bring his weird pal Von Wagner along with him. Like, <laughs> like, like Francis Dollarhide looking bastards. Like you sound, you sound like someone planning a party. <laughs> I invited such and such. Oh, would you? Th- I thought you liked. I did, but he's going to bring him. He's going to bring <laughs> his missus. He's going to bring that vegan fella who talks about it all night. That Von Wagner fellow who definitely has some bodies buried somewhere. Have you seen him? He's a big creepy looking bastard. I picture, um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Anyone who watches Parks and Rec will get this. Uh, April's friend. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, what's his name? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Who used to just sit in the corner like like a vampire and used to freak everyone out. That's sort of what Von Wagner is. Yeah, really going to annoy me if you hear typing later on, guys. It's me frantically typing. What was his name? <laughs> but before we do that, um, just going to quickly jump onto our Twitter page and get the feed for for our Q and A with a uh, with Tony Khan. Stephen was lucky enough to be on that call. Just, good God, he had a lot to say. Orin. That was his name. I just looked up. Oren, yes. I don't know why. For some reason, I went to say Nolan or something sounding that same sound in it. But yeah, 
Whoever wants to bring his creepy pal Orn and whoever else in the baby face side you can bring along, then I'll be playing with that. But they're going to have to hurry their arse if they want to set that up because they got like a month to go before TakeOver. Or not TakeOver anymore. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to read the questions and the answers that they had. Um, I'm not I, I'm not got time to read everybody who it's from and give credit. If you want credit, go to at Suplex Retweet. Stephen's giving credit to every single person there. Um, but the first question was, Tony was asked if the 10-match format, ten format is the set length for AEW pay-per-views. Tony said that the lengths have worked well for them so far and the reviews have been great. Yeah, uh, there was a question about Adam Page's journey in AEW. Tony said Page has blossomed under the eyes of fans. He reminded us that Hangman got his first shot at the AEW first shot at AEW title and they've always had big plans for him. He always he also talked about Hangman's history with Omega and how he's always believed in them as a team from the beginning. He talks about how Full Gear last year was like nothing else at the time in the pandemic in terms of getting fans to the event. He also describes Hangman versus Omega as one of the most anticipated matches in AEW history. I said it first. Uh, he watches Being the Elite regularly and asks to use any content he enjoys on Dynamite. He says Being the Elite is where they got the idea for the Hangman drinking character. He was also asked about having pay-per-views on the West Coast. Tony announced that Double or Nothing will return to Las Vegas next year and plans to catch up for 2020 with 2020 planned Jesus Christ, and plans to catch up with 2020 planned events for that area to the arena in 2022. Uh, he, asked, uh, he was also asked about Ring of Honor, if he had plans on buying the video market. He says he'll see what happens on the business side and to stay tuned to EW t- uh, television in regards to talent. Uh, he was asked if... This this was a, a one we talked about in the chat beforehand. Um, he was asked if he was... Uh, planning on running an all-women show. Tony said he didn't believe he gets enough credit for the NWA all-women show as he paid for most of the women on the card. Tony goes on to say AEW have made great strides in their women's division in 2021, talking up Thunder Rosa and Ruby Soho. Soho told Khan that this week that she loves the TBS title tournament. Uh, he's also asked about Bray Wyatt. He said he hasn't spoke to Bray Wyatt since he's released and he hasn't spoke since Chris Jericho's birthday party last year. He said there'll be no revamp and uh, no changes when they move to TBS in terms of look and aesthetic. He says they will revert if it doesn't work for fans. He says uh, moving the show occasionally to Saturday has hurt hurt the show's momentum, but there'll be less shifting of the show once it's on TBS. It will sort of be one of the crown jewels of the network and will be almost guaranteed not to be moved. Sorry, guys, there's just a lot of questions. I'm just going through the best of the best here. He says more goes into organising Dynamite than to Rampage. Uh, and that he likes to get more in the way of quality wrestling on the latter. So Rampage, very much the wrestling show. Uh, He talks about how there was no obligation for talent to work at any point during the pandemic if they weren't comfortable. Uh, He was asked about the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament. Tony says updates will come out after full gear so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle, and we'll get updates in the weeks after. My God, there's there's quite a lot, Scott. I'm Mm going to suggest that the... Oh, my God. Just scrolling through everything here. I'm going to suggest that um, if you want to read the full uh, thread at Suplex Retweet, 
That's at Suplex Retweet. That's our Twitter channel. Uh, you'll see who asked the questions uh, and see the full answers and the full press conference. I've read more than I would have there, but my word there is, there is, <laughs> he enjoys a gab, does your Tony? <laughs> yeah, even messages in the chat that he's like, spent five minutes talking on one question because, you know, that's the thing, he's, nice, he's good when it comes to talking and he's like media calls or media scrubs like after a pay-per-view, but he does go over your time a lot or he does spend a lot on what certain questions. But yeah, there's a lot to do. Like, yeah, I mentioned Ring of Honor. I don't think that's something to look at uh, going until like, the end of the year because uh, a lot of the guys who have been let go, like, based on the ones on the 90 day no compete, their non compete will come up around February next year. And obviously, December is when a lot of the Ring of Honor guys have been let go of their contracts. So, see a lot of former WWE and Ring of Honor talent popping up all over the place because uh, I've seen Moose. And the reason I've said that he went to Scott Demore as soon as the Ring of Honor news came out and basically said to him, you need to hire Jay Lethal and the Briscoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we go into uh, Impact Impact Wrestling news and talk about the upcoming Turning Point Network special, just a quick three uh, three quick stories and we can just get them right out of the way. Uh, Impact have sp- uh, signed Speedball Mike Bailey. Uh, might be from our Scottish fans for his work in Source and Discovery. Uh, as Scott said there, Moose said to Scott Demore, he must sign Jay Lethal and the Briscoes. Uh, and WWE's Ruthless Aggression Season 2 documentary is premiering on the WWE Network and Peacock for those in the US uh, after Survivor Series. Uh, a mixed review, a mixed reviewed show. Uh, WWE felt, a lot of people felt that WWE were making it out as if they always wanted a changing of the guard, as if they wanted Rock and Austin to leave. That was never the case. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see how season two turns out. Now, Scott, Impact. Uh, before you do that, Russ, I think uh, I've only seen the first three episodes of the Regression series, like season one. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're saying, like, oh, well, we felt the same for a change. That's why I went from WWE to WWE, and I think... As soon as I said that, a lot of people didn't give the rest of the episodes a chance, but there is some good stuff in there. Uh, I do have uh, the wee press release here that they reveal like some of the the subjects for the season two. Uh, I think mm-hmm. one or two of them might appeal to you. Also, they reveal that Pat McAfee will be the narrator for the second series. God, for God's sake, that, that, that no longer appeals to me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, here, uh, witness the resurrection of Shawn Michaels as the Heartbreak Kids, and he, as he writes the second chapter of his legendary career. Uh, there'll be an episode talking about the original, the early days of WWE's development system from Ohio, Val- Ohio, from Ohio Valley Wrestling to the new ventures like Tough Enough. Uh, there'll be episodes on Trish and Lita. Uh, they experience the birth of several new innovative concepts such as the Elimination Chamber and the Money in the Bank. And also it says, witness The Rock's acting career crossover, the growing fan resentment and created the unforgettable Hollywood character that was born as a result. It does sound good, and don't get me wrong, I I didn't watch it because people, like, because it was, you know, WWE's narrative. You know it's WWE's narrative on these things. I just haven't the time to watch it, so, you know, I just haven't watched it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting, like, doing more episodes of people who had, like, such good runs in the resurrection, you know, like, because they did episodes on Brock, Evolution, and Cena last year, and now they're doing ones on Sean and Hollywood Rock. I think doing more of that, like, if they do a series three, doing episodes on, like, Eddie and be like that, or, like, doing a more in-depth look at when they brought ECW back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, 
It'd be interesting to see how they try to turn ECW. Yeah, we thought it was time for a change, so we completely cancelled ECW. Yeah, everyone <laughs> started, stopped watching about a month ago. <laughs> um, so Impact Wrestling's Turning Point, uh, Turning Point 2021, taking place November 20th, 2021, the Saturday before um, Survivor Series. It's going to be a great weekend of wrestling if you're a wrestling fan in Scotland. Uh, Impact Wrestling, uh, Turning Point, on November 20th, Survivor Series on the 21st. And then over that weekend, uh, we have both nights of ICW's Fear and Loathing. Uh, so some great, great matches and some great pay-per-views coming up. Uh, Impact's announced three title matches. Uh, Trey Miguel versus Lariado Kid for the Impact X Division Championship. Uh, the Inspiration, uh, formerly known as the Iconics, Jesse K, uh, sorry, Cassie Lee and Jesse McKay. Uh, in a rematch against Decay, Havoc and Rosemary, the former champions, for the Impact Knockout Tag Team Championships, and Mickey James versus Mercedes Martinez for the Impact's Knockout Championship. Um, Scott, for straight-up wrestling, I think Mickey James, Mercedes Martinez is going to take it, but I like the Lariado kid. I, I, really, re- I really enjoyed his stints and his couple of appearances in AEW. And Trey Miguel, I've only seen him once. I saw him at Bound for Glory. I'm instantly a fan, so I'm really looking forward to that match. Yeah, definitely. These look like like solid matches. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the Inspiration VDK's like first match. I didn't think the chemistry was too good, but hopefully they can come around and you'll have a better out in the second time around. Uh, they've also announced that on this week's Impact, there'll be a number one contenders match with the winner facing Moose for the world title. At turning point, will be Eddie Edwards versus Matt Cardona versus W. Morrissey. Uh, no word really yet what has happened with Josh Alexander at turning point, but they have teased that maybe there'll be a longer build for Alexander getting the title back from uh, Miss. Uh, I would he did fight Minoru Suzuki at the tapings, and I was I thought oh maybe they should have turned, they had that for turning point, but they recently announced that Suzuki's had to actually go back to Japan for World Tag League that starts this weekend. Uh, and he's teaming with Buddy Attack and Michinoku. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think, I, I really don't think Josh Alexander versus um, Josh Alexander versus Moose should take place on an Impact uh, special. I think it should take place on a it should take place on a big pay-per-view. Um, speaking of Minoru Suzuki, he's facing uh, Caleb with a K this coming week, which I, I really enjoyed because Caleb with a K then tweeted out, what the hell is this about? I didn't ask for this. <laughs> oh, he's going to die. <laughs> uh, also, uh, and back to WWE News, uh, Up, Up, Down, Down, uh, the gaming channel owned by Xavier Woods, uh, apparently... The lack of content there. Uh, I'm just looking just now. They've stopped producing for Up, Up, Down, Down uh, until WWE cuts Xavier Woods a bigger financial slice of the of the channel. The report states that Woods never owned the Up, Up, Down, Down brand. Uh, those that appear on the channel believe that Woods is the key force and growing the subscriber base and getting new people involved and producing content and should be rewarded financially for that. Fightful report stresses that Up, Up, Down, Down may not be done as a brand, that regular content could uh, continue once the situation was rectified. Um, 
I don't see anything wrong with that. I see Xavier Wood fully should be compensated for the up up down down brand. He should. <clears throat> he puts so much into it. He puts so much energy and effort in it. He comes in with a a unique knowledge of all things pop culture in the eighties, nineties, and now, along with video game culture. And you're not going to find someone just like it. You could find someone who likes video games. You could find someone who's energetic. You could find someone that likes pop culture. You're not going to find someone who has everything Xavier Woods has. And the fact is, if you try to replace him, there are those loyal to him. They'll just leave the channel. You know what I mean? They'll just, they'll not come back. Yeah. Cause like the people he's appealing to, like the higher ups of WWE that he's wanting he and like the people involved up of downtown wanting to help like get Woods paid more aren't gonna really know a lot about video games, they're not gonna be putting the time in to help grow the channel. A lot of it is his hard work. And like the Fightful report does say that Woods is not paid extra at all for up up down down and that his income from both the gaming channel and his upcoming G four hosting duties count against his WB contracts downside guarantee. So, like, he was allowed to keep doing this, like, when everybody else was, like, forced to not do their Twitch, but, like, Derry owns it, but, like, he, they get a lot of people, like, crossover from that channel, and you get a lot of superstars appearing on that channel, so I think that like you said he should be constantly pretty hard work, and I'm sure that he doesn't own it, and I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to try and get the name back, or try and build some other channel with the same volume, because he, he doesn't go by Zero to have the time on that show He's, he goes by his actual name Austin Creed uh, on mm-hmm. that show uh, and also Tyler B still appears on that because he's not wrestling for anywhere else but Adam Cole to stop appearing on that channel as he used to do regularly because he signed with AEW yeah um, it's <laughs> it's a bit shitty if they're really just going to try cut him out and I think the fact that I feel they might sack him. I'm going to be honest. I think this this move and uh, talent try to get more more money never works out well for the talent yeah. when they go up against WWE. And Nick can at the minute. He's he's not afraid to just go. You know what? You're gone. I know the new day is a massive money mover. I know, but they'll just move all the merchandise on to Kofi or on a. Uh, onto someone else and unfortunately I, I, I can see that happening yeah uh, that does happen because it's like the way WB's been doing these places like especially uh, the most recent one where like two, came out two hours after they announced oh this quarter we did better than we thought in terms of you know, our profits you know clearly and the fact that they continue this, this Saudi Arabia deal they clearly don't care about how they look from a PR standpoint but they've taken a bigger hit when they hired one of their more popular stars who's in a prime position right now. And so, like you said, he's going to be fighting Roman Reigns. He's finally won the King of the Ring. He's been a consistent merch mover as part of the New Day. And also, like I said, he brings a great following with this gaming stuff. So, that would, they would face a major backlash from fans. I think from some people involved in who work for them for that, like some of the other wrestlers would be really angry about that. But like you said, WWE showing they don't really they don't really care about that and I think they they do even like you said yeah they move on to Kofi or Wood or Big E because they try and say oh it's not about one person no it's about the brand of the new day like so it'll just be successful just Kofi or just with Big E 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, talking about um, WWE talent who might not be wrestling anymore, Triple H, uh, Dave Meltzer this week on Wrestling Observer Newsletter said after Triple H's uh, heart surgery, uh, Triple H underwent emergency a heart surgery for a genetic condition. Uh, Dave Meltzer says he doesn't expect ever to see Triple H uh, pull on his boots and wrestle again. I don't think anyone would be surprised at this rate if Triple H is retired, given his age. But he's still in fin- a great physical shape. But obviously, the heart condition is a big... You know, there's, there's many things that WWE won't clear people for. Heart issues are right up there with concussions. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, it would be a shame to not see him wrestle again, but you know, he's already a bigger, big player in the company like from the corporate side of things. But does that mean that his final match, ever if he never gets back in the ring again, would be that match with Orton at, uh, in Saudi Arabia in 2019? Say that again? Would that mean, I'm trying to think back, the, last, the most... The last Triple H match I remember is like him fighting Orton at Super Showdown in 2019. Now, did he wrestle after that, or would that be his final match if he never actually stepped back in the ring? I think that I might be his final match. I, I, I don't remember him. He didn't wrestle at the... You know, it was Goldberg and Undertaker that showed up at the the start of 2020 Saudi show. Um, I think he's... Because him and Orton, obviously, you know, they have history, but like a show in Saudi Arabia especially, I don't think a lot of people think it was the most, like, fitting send-off for Triple H, because I don't think he ever had that full, like, that true final match. Like, he had opportunities to, like, when he lost to Daniel Bryan or they lost to Roman, like, even the end of an era match, if he just retired after that, I think people would have been fine. But he's never had that true, you know, finale to his wrestling career. Yeah, I think everyone's just hoping he, he rides in on a white horse and saves WWE sometime soon. Um, or, 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 or his big Mad Max style motorbike like he did the last few years of WrestleMania. <laughs> um, speaking of WrestleMania, WrestleMania 38, don't expect to see The Rock versus Roman Reigns. Um, in an interview with the comic book, uh, Rock said he himself could wrestle again. He said, I think possibly, you know, I might have another match down the road. It would have to make sense, though. But it doesn't look like that match will be in Reigns at WrestleMania 38. Uh, the Rock also told Dish Nation, um, I can tell you that there's no truth to the rumour right now. Uh, possibly down the road, we will see. We stay very close, myself and Roman Reigns. I'm very, very proud for the work he's doing, as well as Yusuf's, my other family members. Those guys will continue to do what they do and we'll see down the road. It's in, would you call it, isn't it? It's in Texas next year, WWE, isn't it? Yeah, they're in Dallas next year. Uh, they were going to do one night, but then they switched to 82 and then they're in Hollywood the following year. I think everything got moved back a year because of uh, the original Raymond James plans moving to the PC. Yeah. Um, WWE... Um, are going ahead with this month of rock celebrating 25 years of the rock even though rock himself is in australia filming season two of young rock um i wouldn't i wouldn't put it against wwe putting teasers out there for roman reigns to face the rock and then the rock not showing up and roman reigns fighting someone else at resume 38 they're going to have to do something 
to get a hundred thousand people in on two different nights. You know, these are hundred thousand seater stadiums in America. Every new stadium they want to get bigger and better. WWE wants to go to bigger and better stadiums, but I don't see. I see Rock maybe being offered a Hall of Fame induction at the Hollywood WrestleMania. I don't think there's any any more fitting one, but. I don't know. Rock has said he's retired. He's quietly retired and he's happy just, you know, being Dwayne Johnson and, you know, he's got hundreds of other business ideas going on and interests, but just come back. <laughs> Rock, I've already lost Stephen Gerrard today. I can't lose The Rock as well, all right? I mean, I think it's good if they're going to deny that it's happening. You know, they should do it now where there's a lot of people from getting their hopes up and speculating further so they can start building it's something new. But yeah, it doesn't make you wonder like that venue that they're doing two nights in Dallas. I'm pretty sure it's the same venue they did uh, Mania 32 at. So, and they threw a lot to get that filled for one night. Because, you know, remember they threw Taker v Shane McMahon and a fucking hell on a sale. They put Triple H in the main event. They brought out Austin, Sean, and Foley to be up a bunch of young lads. Uh, <laughs> and then they, and they also just teased the idea of The Rock showing up at that point. Oh, he's going to be there. And like you had Kelsey Grammer in the intro, the great one will rise again. And everybody was waiting. <laughs> How's Kelsey Grammer at WrestleMania? That'll shift uh, 100,000 tickets. <laughs> and then, like, and then they just left it right towards like the 7th before we just came out. What are you, you going to do at the show, Rock? Oh, I've got this flamethrower. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they can bring other people in or they can try and do their best to build, you know, the company builds, you know, based on the current guys. But, you know, I think you might feel the backlash of bringing part-timers back the last decade or so when you try and you know, push it off the back of you know your current guys and you might realise how many stars you actually have. Is you know the only option for Roman right now on SmackDown is Drew, uh, and as good a match it would be, especially as a main event. That on that alone is I mean a better one of the nights you you won't get a hundred thousand people in there. No, you definitely won't. Um, I mean, you'll get people in there, especially very nationally, if they're allowed to travel again. Just the idea of people allowed to go to a show in America again, especially at WrestleMania. You'll get that. But you, even at that point, you still need to give them something worth paying a lot of money to travel over there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the first... D- WWE could run a 20,000-seater stadium and not post any matches and immediately fill it for a WrestleMania. The first 20,000 people at WrestleMania are people who are going regardless. You know what I mean? There's there's 20,000 people going because it's WrestleMania. It's the other 80,000 you need to convince to part with the cash because um, from what I've heard, that Dallas stadium is not like easily accessible if you don't drive. So, you know, you're going to convince... Say you convinced five people to go and they, these five people share a car. Well, they've got to hire a car, they've got to split the car, they've got to... One of them's got to be the designated driver, so it means someone's going to essentially a party, a seven-hour party, two nights in a row, where they're not drinking. Like, yeah. unless you have unless you have someone there who's not drinking, I know, like, listen, if you don't drink, that's fine. If you're not a big drinker, that's also fine. But I know when we go out for the wrestling, a lot of us go out and we enjoy a pint and we enjoy being out with our pals. You're asking someone to give that up. You're going to need a big card to get those people in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also let's not forget when the the pain there they had letting people in last time they were in that venue, and uh, Kalisto and Ryback had to 
you know, maybe there, there's maybe what twenty or so thousand there, which is usually fine. But when it's a hundred thousand seater venue, there's a lot of empty seats there. So for the sake of whoever they unfortunately bumped to the pre-show for the, the those two nights, let's hope they sort out how to get people in that fucking venue. I remember seeing tweets. Um, someone was watching the pre-show in the hallway of one of the corridors because they couldn't get to their seat because the ticket machines weren't working. And it was a buffering stream because the Wi-Fi in the stadium named after AT&T, the Wi-Fi company, <laughs> um, was apparently piss poor. Um, so, yes, as you say, hopefully they change that. Um going to need a lot of things changed in time for WrestleMania, WWE. Um, if they pull it off, they pull it off. But I've not been thrilled with the build to WrestleMania the past few years. Yeah. There's going to be quite a few... There may end up being a quite a few people who get put in like undercard pre-show matches and you wonder, why the fuck are these people getting to be on WrestleMania? And the answer will probably be, because oh, we, we keep sacking people. Yes. Yes, Natalia's going to be on WrestleMania main card. That's when you know it's... When Natalia gets to the main card in a singles match, that's when you know we have let too many people go. Glad that she and Tamina were across two both nights of WrestleMania <laughs> this last year. Oh, Tamina, God, Tamina has a better WrestleMania record than Sasha Banks or Asuka. Let's, let us never forget that. Sasha Banks and Asuka combined. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh but before we go into Iran, should we go on to... <sighs> he's back. Should we go on to Campbell's question? Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? This is David Campbell. This is... He can't... He can't just leave me alone. I'm currently ahead of him in the draft. So I have to be mentioned. I'm a focal point of Saturday Draft Live every week. And he doesn't like the fact that he has to talk about me every week. So he's back. If we're going into hiding... They're going to hiatus. They're going into a shame spiral of being behind me in the table. He's back and he said, my question is this. What do you think of this year's Survivor Series teams? Who gets snubbed and who shouldn't have made it on? Let us know your thoughts and and the despicable Ross McLeod will read out your answers this week's Central. I just noticed that there. Fucking knob. (laughs) Anyway. Let's read the answers to this troglodyte's question. Um, I mean, don't give me any more ammunition. I've got to do FDL with him this week. Uh, <laughs> there's only so much I can listen to. He said, um, the choice of Aaliyah is an odd one considering SmackDown has Tony Storm and Naomi available. Also weird that the Raw team only has one half the tag champs. Um, David does point out that Storm doesn't look to be in the plans at all, whereas Naomi is story-based. Um, Stephen Wilson says I feel more invested in the method of the teams being announced than I had in recent years just don't just do not do it on a Saturday very <laughs> true um, Jack Graham said a general feeling I've had for a while is that I'm starting to lose a lot of care for who is on what team with Survivor Series the pay-per-view itself is one I'm very much mad about if, if I was going bold uh, Money in the Bank should replace Survivor Series as a big four pay-per-view. Um, th- there you go. We talked about changes for um, for Survivor Series and new stakes. See, instead of having two Battle Royals at WrestleMania and two Money in the Banks on WrestleMania, why don't you have, say, the Miss WrestleMania and the Men's Money in the Bank at WrestleMania 
and then have the Andre Battle Royal and the Andre Battle Royal and Money in the Bank for the Women on on Survivor Series, something else, something extra to add, you know what I mean? Just a wee. Uh, Anthony Fitzpatrick said, with the way it was announced, not giving us reason to care, I've always always enjoyed qualifying matches. I've always enjoyed Anthony, fair play. Uh, I'd personally scrap Survivor Series as I don't see it as a big four pay-per-view and bring back bragging rights. Uh, do the the whole champion v champion and men's women's elimination matches. The brand with the most wins at the night gets five, the final five picks on the Rumble. See, I quite like that. Uh, Callum Bennett said, where's the story, the build, the brand supremacy, Survivor Series is shit this year. Um, <laughs> yes, don't hold back there, Callum. Tell us how you really feel. Uh, he then yells, fuck the WWE, WCW should have won. <laughs> I don't know why WCW didn't win. Um, Gary Kernahan says, Survivor Series this year feels like an afterthought. No, no storylines, uh, no announcements on social media on a Saturday afternoon. And most of the people representing the brand have just joined the brand. Um David Hockney said Tony Storm getting stumped over Aaliyah is pretty baffling. Um, I get that Naomi has a feud with Sonya going on, so it makes sense, but why only Rhea and no Nikki? Uh, to David's point, I don't mind Aaliyah being on the show. She's someone new. I think Natalia getting on ahead to Tony Storm, that's the baffling one. Uh, the Raw men's team were all drafted from SmackDown literally about a fortnight ago. As for the SmackDown side... I think Kofi should replace Jeff, keep the New Day as a solid tag team unit, uh, and what has been a very mixed team thus far. Overall, very lazy booking and no enthusiasm this year. I think that's the feeling of everyone. Uh, Ryan Dalglish, uh, very clear on the lack of quality with most of the most of who would have been on this teams have now been released for. Mm, Jesus Christ. So it's Ryan Dalglish speaking. I just I can't see his name without Venom. No, I'm joking. Um, very clear lack of quality uh, with who would have been on these teams as they've now been released in the last six months. Yeah, WWE. We mentioned it earlier. WWE releasing people in the week when they have their big pay per view of let's get as many people as possible on the show. What are what are your thoughts on SmackDown? Uh, SmackDown. Yeah. What's your thought on SmackDown v Raw 2005, Scott? <laughs> a hell of a video game, so it was. That was that. That had more brand warfare than this. Um, who, 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 I'll, I'll let you do. I'll let you take someone off of the men's team and someone off of the women's team that isn't Natalia, right? I could say that like ninety percent of the uh, of people playing GM would could probably put together better teams here. The, the, yeah, I think if it, if it couldn't be Natalia, then I would probably take Aaliyah off. I do like the idea of if you're not going to do qualifying matches, people like we've seen with Lashley getting involved and with Dewdrop taking offence to not being on the road to like people being announced for teams and then other people challenging them for their spots, feeling like they were snubbed and giving them something to do. Because uh, like the Naomi thing, that could still play into the thrill and like her, Naomi asking why she wasn't picked and then putting her in another match with Shayna and you know, for to try and get our spot on Survivor Series. But yeah, if I was going to take somebody out of each the teams, yeah, daily if I couldn't do Natalia. And with hearing SmackDown, again, why the fuck is Happy Corbin? As much as I loved his whole transformation from, you know, bum to, you know, uh, this now guy who's rich and he's got his annoying pal with him, uh, I'm kind of over it now. I can't be arsed watching it on 
on uh, Survivor Series, so either I'd replace him with either Kofi or maybe Ricochet, because he put a tweet out asking what happened to qualifying matches. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the idea of maybe... I know people don't like the idea of GMs, but Robbie Smackdown without GMs, I think, is pointless. If you're going to do yeah. this whole Sonya versus and Adam P- uh, Pierce thing, have Sonya Deville as the matchmaker or the or the head, I don't know, head booker. Just call, give her some TV title that isn't GM, and have Adam Pierce and Sonya <clears throat> picking these teams. Um, I think also the draft I, is, suffers from the lack of the forty figures because. Yeah, in 2019 they played a whole Fox v USA thing, but at least that makes sense because we've even had stories about times where like Fox does get something on SmackDown and then USA complains or like Fox is annoyed that they don't have a certain you know big draw wrestler on their network and USA does. So that at least has something. Whereas the last two years when they've had oh Raw selects these people on SmackDown, like like but who who is selecting them on behalf of Raw and SmackDown? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's a poor one. Um, I think looking at the teams myself, yeah, Happy Corbin sticking out like a sore thumb. Um, I would have put Austin Theory maybe on the Raw team ahead of Rey Mysterio. I think uh, I think Austin Theory's been doing some quite cool stuff on Raw recently. I think it'd be good to get a fresh face in there. Uh, and yeah, Happy Corbin. I'm not. I'm not happy with that, ironically. Um, <laughs> I think Kofi is who stands out there. Um, Kofi stands out there, but I don't even... I'm looking at the rosters now. Who else could we have put on the, the teams? As much as we took a piss at it, like, with a weird motivation for Adam Pooh's force and Dominic to fight Bobby, I think the Raw team's actually better off for... Because I think, despite the fact that most of them were on SmackDown like, a, week, a couple weeks ago, in terms of like the... Mo- Looking at the lineup of the teams, the best team I think out of the four is the Raw men's team, just from your like star power and everything. And like, if you want to send your best, then fair enough. Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and that seems like the best team. Yeah. What about Mace? He's a star. <laughs> Ridge Holland. Why don't you put him on if you're going to have a showcase for new stars? Get Ridge Holland in the Survivor Series team. What, what about, about Big Shanky? Sheamus, yes. What about Sheamus? That's not a joke one. That's a big lobster do the, head. Do the, do the reverse next this time. This time he can eliminate Seth first this time. He's for SmackDown, not Raw. What about Cesaro as well? Mm-hmm. Cesaro, you've got um, Swerve Scott with Hit Row. Um, yeah, a weird... Weird, weird one. Um, just looking at the Raw team just now, who could we have had against instead of Veer? We should have had Veer. <laughs> Reggie. <laughs> or what about let's, either Otis, either Otis or uh, Chad Gable, unless they are going to do the big. I think this year, see, he'd change it up a bit. The big 10 on 10, that should include the champions again. Yeah, that would have made sense. Or, like, I don't mind the champion match with Constable Series. You just have the time, especially the last few years, the 5 on 5s just 
usually don't make any sense. They're usually the worst parts of the show. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they've got enough tag teams to do a 10 on 10 anymore. Uh, well, I'm just looking at Raw just now. You could have the Alpha Academy, Orton and Riddle, AJ and Omos, um, the Dirty Dogs, and the Heart Business. And the Street Profits. Oh, you've got the Street Profits as well. There you go. So they've got six teams. Um, looking at SmackDown, Hit Row, The Usos, Mahal and Shanky, Oh, the, Viking Raiders, the Viking Raiders, um, the Viking Raiders, the Latin Lovers, Boogs and Nakamura. Um, hang on a minute. Seamus and Cesaro are on the same brand again. Why hasn't the bar been immediately reformed? I have no idea. There are a lot of, there, I remember there are a few people, like, after a year, there were nothing in one line saying, oh, I think it's now time they broke up. It's time Cesaro went back to be a thing. I was like, I'm sorry, but if it's Alex Cesaro, the best time his career was when he was teamed with Sheamus, because it was nice to see him beat Seth at WrestleMania and get that match with Roman, but unfortunately it didn't work out uh, to the push that we wanted. Yeah, it really didn't. Um, yeah, I think Sheamus was Cesaro instead of Corbin. Um, I would have liked Kofi instead of Sammy, just so we could have had weeks of Sammy claiming conspiracy victim, because I never tire of that character. And looking at the Raw team, yeah, instead of Rey Mysterio, maybe Gable Stevens, or apparently Veer is, is going to get like a big push. So wh- why not have Veer, you know, run riot on Survivor Series? Um... Yeah, and the women's team. Um, so I know I said anyone but Natalia, but I'm changing Natalia. <laughs> just looking here just now. So the the female roster on a uh, SmackDown is Aaliyah, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, Natalia, Sasha, Shayna, Shotzi, Sonia, uh, Tony, and Zaya Lee. So that's ten. So say you take away. You take away Charlotte Flair and Sonia from that. You could have done at least three qualifying matches and not have Natalia be on that team. I think Zaylee, Tony Storm, Zaylee or Tony Storm instead of Natalia. Just literally anyone instead of Natalia. Uh, I was just thinking, like you're reading it, the team you said Sasha, Shayna, Shots. They just. Right. That's what you should do as your warm up before the show. I try saying that as many times in there as you can. Sasha, Shayna, Shotzi. There you go. If you go down the list, it's Sasha, Shayna, Shotzi, Sonia, Storm, and Saya. Try saying that as many times as possible and see how many times it takes you to start sounding like Sean Connery. I started slabbering away on myself when I got to let Sonia. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to go well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, on that note, that is going to do is on this edition of ESSR Central. Um, I'd like to thank my rotating guest, Scott, as he rotates away from me for another month. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I wish this was on video because I just then I would just start spinning around the room like, I can't do this for 90 <laughs> minutes every four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, John Isherwood is back next week with us. 
Uh, he'll be joining me on Central when we look back at uh, the weekend that was full gear and have a proper in-depth look ahead of the full, hopefully fully announced Survivor Series card. Don't hold your breath. Um, until then, catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Uh, at Suplex Retweet, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community, you can get involved in the conversation. And of course, a massive back catalogue on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android. Just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Um, East meets West at time of recording. We're recording on Thursday. It'll be, this will be released Friday. East meets West will be up by that time as well. It was released on Thursday, even though you're listening on Friday. Or maybe <laughs> no, who knows when you're listening. But you can listen to East meets West anytime. Scott, have I plugged East meets West enough for you? <laughs> I just thought we'd uh, show a preview because like, we talk about the big week of wrestling. Me and Grant have a shitload Japan wise talk about because not only is it Saturday full gear, but we just have got a big show in the US called Battle in the Valley, which uh, the semi main feature is the former Buddy Murphy, Buddy Matthews taking on Okada. And on the Saturday, the Best of Super Juniors tournament starts, and then the following day, you've got the World Tag League starting. So, you know, there's just too much wrestling. I feel like we say that all the time, but there's just too much wrestling. Uh, also, we talk about the rotating guests, and we all have other people on, but uh, legally, David Campbell will never be on the same show as John Isherwood. Uh, (laughs) There was a restraining order filed, so for legal reasons. Uh, And of course, uh, our feature show this past week was the return of the debating chamber. Uh, Kwaku Aji, David Campbell, Grant McRobbie and Chris Anthony Lopez, who will be joining us on Central in a few weeks, uh, joined Stephen Wilson as they debate all things wrestling. Uh, they debate brand warfare survivor series and what the third biggest company in wrestling is uh, over I on the YouTube channel <laughs> ignoring that over on the <laughs> YouTube channel uh, quiz showdown 2000 oh my god we're back again is back um, Sarah hosting a quiz showdown panel of uh, as she put it ESSR's best and brightest and Scott um <laughs> Yeah, only your most winning is quiz showdown champion. I'm like, that's okay. Thank you. Want to be interested to be quiz? <laughs> um, we've got the retro review returning to the channel in the next two weeks. That'll be up on the YouTube channel within the next two weeks, reviewing Survivor Series 2000 uh, and so much, so much, so much more. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android, and of course on YouTube at Suplex Retweet. I've been Ross McLeod. He's been Scott McLeod. I'm going to hang up on him now and not speak to him for another month. I'll see you in a month. Bye-bye. <laughs>